0: She does because I wasn't educated at all, and I ended up going to Israel and fell in love with uh, obviously the Torah and, and and the deep, deep, wise, um, practical, relevant, uh, you know, um, information that I was learning, and not just information, but a deep connection, you know, to to our own heritage. And I had no idea that the roots of everything I already believed in in psychology was actually in the Torah, in our own backyard. I had no idea, and. Um, and what I fell in love with was basically what I'm going to teach you over the next three weeks was a model, a frame of all of Torah and Judaism that is psychologically based, but not just psychologically based, it's spiritually based. So what I loved and what I realized is that psychology is one realm, your psychology, your mental, your, your mental thinking and whatever. But Torah is a much bigger frame that contains within it the spiritual, the psychological, the emotional, the you know, the physical, all the way all the way down. It's, it contains everything. So what I ended up I ended up going in like this as a psychologist and then trying to squeeze Torah into the psychological frame and it didn't fit. And at some point I nearly imploded because I was trying to like make sense of everything within my little frame and I had to put it on the side on the shelf and then realize I've actually no idea what I'm talking about. And then that's when actually doors open and you can see things differently and I absorbed this beautiful deep framework um, of spirituality, psychology, how the whole system works, you know, about life, the Torah, what our role is within Torah how, you know, body, soul, the whole, the whole thing, that how it also affects the psyche and the psychology of how we act and how we interact and why we feel certain ways. So it was really um, eye-opening and I loved it. I thought it was the best professional development I ever did in my life, right? As anyone into social work, psychology, any, any of those fields, even helping professions where you work with people, even Pilates, that's a plug for Mila's business. <laughs> um, so wherever you work with people and how people work, you know, how you work out you know, is also important. What what creates results, what helps me grow, what on every level this will all relate to and also then fits beautifully into the Jewish traditional concepts that you've heard of, but in a different way. So um, so the goal is no one's done quorum here. No one did quorum yes it's all new that's why I thought I'd do it because no one's done it. The idea is that inside each one of us there are two different worlds. Um, there is the world of connection, which is the world, there's two different worlds inside of us, yeah? The world of connection is a world of love, relationship, intimacy, a sense of oneness, a sense of connection, a sense of being calm, a sense of building in the world, a sense where I feel actually connected to you, right? That's one world that we live in internally. The other world we live in internally is the world of disconnection. The world of disconnection is a world of fear, isolation, loneliness, um, anxiety, it's a it's a it's, a, it's a force of destruction in the world rather than building and it's where i get when i feel very lonely as you call it debbie downer i think you call it right debbie down don't be debbie, debbie downer so we don't we don't have that in australia that term we have nigel no friends yeah don't be
1: such
0: a nige right and and a nige is one. an emotional state that you flip <laughs> yourself into where you feel really really lonely like a debbie downer right and it's like no matter what you do debbie downer is committed um, to being down yeah Right? Like don't, uh, and the more you try and cheer her up, the more she's committed to the misery because it kind of feels good to feel bad. You know what I'm talking about. Like you wallow around in self-pity and your friend's try and cheer you up and you're like, no, it's just terrible, right? Uh, there's a commitment to the misery. And then you get to eat all the ice cream and you're like, stuff it, I don't care. <laughs> or I'll diet tomorrow. Like that whole, it's like a spiral. So like that, that's called the world of disconnection. And we use different things to disconnect. Um, and uh, I always think Nigel and Debbie should get together, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, um, so here's something I prepared earlier. Oh, Yeah. So, this is just the outline of some of the things that I just mentioned, just because it visually is good. But I actually realised that it's helpful to have this on hand out. So, oh, you have a hand out? No, hand-out. So I have a hand out. All right. And I'm gonna. These are just another textual handout because it's always good to have a source for everything you're talking about. All right. The world of connection is the idea that everything is connected. This is the truth of the world. This is the reality of the world. Everything is connected. We know that, right? There's division and separation is an illusion, right? This world, the world of disconnection, is an illusion, right? Although it does feel very real at times. Where is the source, without looking at the source sheet yet, don't look yet, don't look at the source sheet yet, where, where is the source that tells us that everything is connected, that we have to remind ourselves every single day, as a Jew, if you're following Jewish practice, that everything is connected, everything is connected, everything is, like, I have to remind myself over and over again. Every day. Hmm? Yeah, every day. Every day. Well, there's a certain prayer, don't cheat, there's a certain prayer that you have to say, Every day, if you're following Jewish practice, that reminds you that everything is connected. We're not separate. Everything's connected. Everything's connected. It's interesting, right? are you curious? Mm-hmm. Are you curious? No one wants to guess? No. Nope. That's a good one, though. You say every morning. Say every morning you open your eyes and say thank mm-hmm. you. It's more about gratitude, creating a, a foundation of gratitude, which is important to connection, but it's not the fundamental. Mm-hmm. We are all one. Is this deeper in? Him. Yes. <laughs> Hooray. High five for Sabrina. Um, Shema, the first source on your source sheet is Shema. No one knew that Shema meant this, yeah? Shemma Israel, Shema Shema Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. What does that mean? It means a Chad is that everything's connected. There is only connection in the world. Everything's connected, we're all I see it as and we're all within God's belly. Even though you're not allowed to imagine a, like a physical belly. But we're all within, there's nothing outside of God's belly. Right, I have an ma- amazing, amazing a picture I want to show you. I'm gonna. I think I. Po- I think someone posted it maybe on WhatsApp ages ago. Well, I think we have a WhatsApp. If you want to part of it, um, it's two twins in a mum's tummy. Did you see this? Yeah. And it says hey, like what's out there? You no. In it says hey, do you believe in God? Do you believe in mum? No, yeah. I don't believe in mum. I mean, have you ever seen mum? And they're sitting there being fed by mum and within mum and everything's about mum. Everything that's so close to mum, they don't even believe in mum. Isn't it awesome meta- metaphor? It's not even a metaphor, it's literal. It is literally, sitting here debating, is there God? And God's pumping life into us. You know, it's like, it's exactly the same. It's such a beautiful concept because we get it, right? But that's essentially exactly what's happening. And Shonafad means that we have to remind ourselves over and over again, everything's connected, everything's connected, everything's one, everything's one. Okay, that's the first source. Um, To the degree that I feel love, I won't feel fear the degree that I feel fear, I can't feel love, it's like a seesaw. Yeah? This is important. These are emotions we all relate to all the time. To so the degree that I feel love, I won't feel fear. They're like a seesaw. They can't coexist at the same level. A lot of people think the opposite of love is hate. hate but they're not. They're really two sides of the one coin. Right? Because when you love someone, you know how easy it is to flip into hating them. It's only when you love someone that you hate them. But to the degree that you love them, you hate them. Right? When, they, when you think they've upset you, they've betrayed you, they've, whatever it is they've done, right? The opposite of this love hate is really indifference and apathy and disconnection. Right? Dis- disconnection is really the, the, the opposite of that. Um, okay. There's a, there's a Jewish law that says you're not allowed to lock a child in a room by themselves. you know this? You're not allowed to lock a child in. And if you do lock them in, or they get locked in by accident on Shabbat, for example, it says you should treat it as if it's B'kuach Nefesh, life and death. The category of life and death, and, get, and do everything to get that child out. Why? Because the Torah recognises there's nothing more terrifying than feeling alone in the world. There's nothing more terrifying than feeling alone. And for a little child who's vulnerable, it's, it's petrifying, it's traumatising. So in that case, we treat it like B'kuach Nefesh, and we will get the child, do anything to get the child out. We'll break Shabbat to get the child out of a locked door, right? Even though it's technically not life and death. Yeah. So it's very interesting, this, this world of disconnection, this, this feeling of being alone in the world, is nothing more terrifying, there's nothing more, um, there's nothing more or, more um, uh, scary and um, it can affect your whole, your whole mental state, your whole mental well-being. Right, the, the prisons know this, because where do they send prisoners when they really want to punish them? Solitary, okay. Solitary okay. confinement. The only thing we can do to punish you once you're already in prison and you've lost everything is make you feel like you're alone in the world. There's nothing more terrifying, right? And, and you know this feeling as well, when you get into that Debbie Downer mode and you feel lonely and you feel like you maybe got nothing going for you in life and, uh, and things aren't working out the way you thought and everyone else has friends and everyone else knows what they're doing. and Everyone else has the amazing job and everyone else is gorgeous and everyone else is losing, you know, skinny and whatever your head noise is, that's your own head noise, by the way, that we'll get into, that's your own yetsahara that is there to specifically disconnect you. That's you have to get to know your yetsahara like really well. Like you know the what what is it a is it saying love your enemy no keep your friends closer your your enemies closer, your enemies <laughs> closer. Yeah. right so you have to know your head noise know your head noise and and it's it's that it's that head noise that can disconnect you um and it, it it's it's very very powerful um okay everything in life is aligned with its purpose for either connection or disconnection right everything in life. We get to choose how we want to use it. So you could create, with a gun you could create peace or make war, yeah? Um, food, there's nothing more connective than going out for a bite to eat with a friend. However, apparently there's people in the world, you may have heard of them, when they get stressed, they sit on the couch and eat a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's. You know those people out there? You know those people? <laughs> right, why? Because food also medicates. If I, get, if I have a sugar rush, so then I don't need to feel the feeling I'm feeling. Right. So I can disconnect myself with the very same thing. If I'm a writer, and I have, so I'm skilled in writing, so I can write to build awareness, educate, inform about something meaningful in life, or I can destroy a reputation in five seconds, open any gossip magazine, right? I can choose how I want to use my skills. I can build or destroy. The last, the bottom two are there, build and destroy, right? I mean, I was just saying like I was referring to, because I know you can't see, right? <laughs> build and destroy. I can choose, do I want to build or do I want to destroy? Have you ever seen a kid a little, well, a little boy with a sword? It's all about yeah, protection. I'm gonna protect you, and then all of a sudden, I'm gonna destroy you, right? Like they flip between the two: build, destroy, build, destroy, right? Little kids on the on the beach with sandcastles, you know those drift castles. They sit there, they're building the drift castles, and they sit building. They're building. They're literally they're involved and they're totally engrossed in the whole thing, and they're building, building, building. And then first they stand back and they call mummy and daddy down. And mummy and daddy's like, oh my gosh, Peter, I mean, goodness, we're so proud of you. And then what's the first thing they do after that? They kick it. <laughs> they stop on it, they, right? It feels so good to just, there's a power. There's an objective power in both to so build and destroy. Build and destroy. And we both get, we all get affected by this power all the time. And it feeds different parts of ourselves. It feeds this spiritual energy called the Yateser Hara and the Yateser Tov, Right? So if we look here, there's a, there's a Yateser 12. The spelling is at the bottom of your source sor- sheet. Yetzer, yetzer the bottom Yetzer. I put in here yetzer tov, right? And yetzer hara, at the bottom of the source sheet. Yetzer just means the evil inclination or the forming of evil, right? Yetzer is, to, is, is, is like an inclination, a formation. And evil and good, right? So what does that mean? They influence us into these worlds. They're an influencer through this from a spiritual source through the psychology into thought and feeling and action. There's a spiritual source. How do we know that exists? Where are we getting this crazy stuff from? If you look in Genesis, the source 2, it says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Right? So we'll we're, we're form from the ground. Right? And breathed into his nostrils nishmas the breath of life and man became a living soul. So here you see that the, a man, a person, is formed from two different components, from the dust of the grounds and then from the breath of God. So these two components, the, the grounds became the physic, the body, like the, the, the physical body, and the, the, the breath from God, so to speak, became our neshama, our soul. Yeah, neshama. Neshima is breath, neshama, right? Interesting, Nishima neshama. So here you see, oh, so interesting, so we've been just, it's discussing how people, uh, human is formed where two different components, body and soul, two separate creations from two different components. And then if you look in underneath the next source, it's Barathos 61a, which is a Gomorrah. Barathos 61a is a Gomorrah. And it says here, it's commenting on the verse in Genesis, in the Chumash, in the five books of Moses above. And it says, what means that which is written, then God formed man. Right? The word Vayetzer, and he formed, if you look now back up into Genesis, the very first word in Hebrew, on the right vayet vayetzer right you see with the little zion and then it goes the first word vayetzer you see that yes second second source first word vayetzer yeah you see how there's two yuds yeah so there shouldn't be two yuds there it's not a spell it's not a typo in the home there's two yuds. so the the gomorrah which is the oral transmission the oral the oral torah jumps on this and says why are there two yuds it's spelled wrong so we know nothing's spelt wrong on purpose in the torah so when you look more deeply, oh it says, Oh it says and he formed is spelt with two letters Yud in the in the Brakas in Brachis sixty one A, it says the Holy One, blessed be he created, it, it symbolises the two yuds that he created God humans people with two impulses, one good and the other evil. So those two yuds in Vayetzer, and the Khlamash stands literally for the fact that we have two inclinations and that's what how humans are formed. In the verse that's talking about man's creation, Adam, it's talking, it spells Vayetzer with two units to indicate that we were created with these two different inclinations. One wants to build, change the world, become our best self, be our highest self, do good, be connected, have relationship. And the other wants to do the exact opposite. I want to be disconnected. I want to be self-absorbed. I want to be self-focused. I'm isolated. I'm scared. I want to destroy things. I want to feel good. It's all about me. Right? so if you see on a psychological level this is the spiritual level the psychological level Rob Desler talks about the root of the world of connection is to be a giver Right. there's an aspect of psychologically being a giver that, is, that, that, that ends up manifesting with the world of connection and the root here well, the world of disconnection would be to be a taker, taker Right. So you see that the spiritual sources are here, but the psychological, how it plays out psychologically, giver and taker are the two foundational roots. Radvilas goes as far as to say that every single act in life can be peeled back to either you're a giver or taker in that minute, in that second. The second later you may change, but in that second, the motivation for every single act and thought, the thing you do, is either coming from a giving or a taking place. Scary. It's really scary, All right? Okay, I, I can freak you out because it's good to be freaked out when I was in Israel I remember a teacher saying you know at the end of your life your body goes back down to the ground so to speak buried your soul goes up so what makes you your you what makes you you your own identity you what's gonna make Lisa Julie Julie right Sabrina Sabrina like what what how will you know everyone has a soul everyone has a body so what gives you your identity right when you went in the next world so, it's a fascinating answer. Everything else has peeled away and the only thing left that makes you you is the sum of the billion free will decisions that you've had to make this lifetime. Am I going to build or destroy? Am I going to connect or disconnect? Am I going to use it for good and higher, something higher? Or am I going to use it just for selfish needs? Am I going to be self-absorbed? Is it just for me just to feel good in the moment? Am I taking just being a taker? Or am I, it, I, have, I have a thousand or billion free will decisions at any minute in my life over my lifetime, I'm saying, um, who I become at the end of my life is the result of those million free will decisions. That's what forms me, right? So, and it's really going between these two worlds. Now, this is not bad, and this is good. Even though it says horror and yetsar tov, the, the, it's very interesting. There, it's not about being bad, right? Things are not black and white. It's again to the degree that I feel disconnection. I want, yeah. It's, it's not about being bad or good, but it is about bringing more consciousness into what we do. It is about being conscious about where am I coming from? Let me be re- brutally honest. Sometimes you have to do things selfishly because then you get to a place where you end up not doing them selfishly. So you have to start somewhere. People give charity, get their names on buildings. It's a selfish motivation. Still better, the Torah says, to give charity than not give charity. Yeah? Even if you give charity from a, from a selfish place, bless you, it's better to, to do that than to not do that. Because why? Because the Torah says when you do a mitzvah, it will sensitize you, it will refine you to the point where you end up, you won't need that same thing feeding your ego in the same way so it's better to to do that because the Torah the mitzvahs itself will, will affect you in a positive way Okay. in the day of prosperity Kohelis, Ecclesiastes in the day of prosperity be joyful in the day of adversity consider that God hath made one even the sorry, God hath made even the one as well as the other to the end that man should find nothing after him Okay. what does this mean? God had made one as well as the other. means that that life was created with a duality. Life was created with a duality. Where there is the potential for holiness, there has to be, by definition, a spiritual counterbalance, that there's a potential for for impurity or unholiness or degradation, let's say. So my favorite working definition of holiness is to use something aligned with its purpose for the sake of connection, creates holiness in the world, to use something aligned with its purpose for the sake of disconnection creates what we call tummah or a certain impurity, a degradation in the world, a destruction. Yes? I'll give you an example. St. Heller, a big matriarch in, in Israel. I once went up to her when I was just got to Israel and I said, I don't get it. What's so bad about curse words? <laughs> but without mentioning any. I said, I don't get you saying Heller, right? Imagine. And I said, like, I I, there's, really, I said, they're the same letters of the, language, of the of the alphabet. They're rearranged. And they have such a punch to them, like they have such a power to them. That's why people use them. What's the deal? Like, I want you to know what's going on spiritually, right, with with curse words. So she said, this is the most unbelievable thing. She said, because if you think of every curse word, and I'm sorry to do that to you, but if you think of every curse word, she says, it's take it takes a concept that is meant to be private, and or holy and makes it public and or degraded. And the punch that you feel when you say a curse word is the destruction of the boundaries that should have been around the concept. Wow. Isn't that wild? (laughs) Do you get it? Wanna say it again? The power of a curse word, she says, is that the punch is when you take something that should be private and or holy, which is every single curse word is around some activity that should be private and or holy between two people, and makes it public by using it crassly and or degraded by just putting it out there. So the punch that you feel is the punch is the destruction of the boundary that should have been around that thing. Because it shouldn't be private. If, if I just say it out there, huh? What if it's not true? What's, what, what's not true? The thing that is private, what if it's someone was making it up like it? doesn't matter, the the concept of using the word. The origin of the word itself. The the actual actual, um, activity, the concept it's talking about, the actual Mm -hmm. curse word in itself, separate to any other scenario, is usually an activity that should be private Mm -hmm. and or holy. We can discuss more later. What if someone so stupid, what, how is it playing? That's not as much of a punch. It's not considered as much of a curse word. But let's not mention curse words here. <laughs> okay, I'll talk to you later about them. Okay, stop going through the list. <laughs> okay, What about... No? <laughs> um, okay, so but that that really... And if you've ever had the chance to be in an environment that's no longer cursing, like if you go to Israel and you're in a learning environment, there's, no, there's not usually a lot of cursing around Do you here. It? It's impossible, because everywhere is... Er, everywhere, you know, role models curse stuff right. I uh, was an amazing podcast today with Gay. Gary Vaynerchuk and Tony Robbins. I don't know if you know these people, Tony yeah. Robbins and. The they all curse constantly. As a part of the, the whole normal thing, right? I mean, these are like amazing, successful role models. Anyway, so, um, so, so if you've been out of a, a, a situation where there's no cursing and then you go back into a situation where there's cursing, it feels like you're, just, you're punched in the, in the guts. I've experienced it numerous times. Now I'm, I'm desensitized again because I'm living here. But when I was in Israel and I went back to, say, Australia to visit and I would just hear it everywhere, <laughs> it, was, it was all of a sudden, it, it, it felt you could, you really can sensitize quickly. It's amazing. But I mean, now, it's not saying like you can choose where you are, you are on the spectrum and there's a whole lot of other laws around speech and why you shouldn't use the same mouth to ask Hashem and God what you want when you're feeling holy and then the next minute you're cursing with the same mouth, right? It's a, a bit of a hypocrisy in a way to use the same instrument for both. But that's a different level of, of, of awareness and commitment but it's interesting to feel that any person can really feel the sensitivity. So I just thought, God has made one as well as the other it means that at any moment in time, the more holy and potential something is, the more it can also be used for degradation. What's the most holy, holy, holy thing we have? Aspect of ourselves? Hmm? Like ourselves, our bodies? Yeah, and how? what's the most holy way we can use our body? Mm. What Anyone? <laughs> What's the most holy potential for our body to be used for? To create. Create, right? Create, or, and to be intimate with someone on the, most, on the most intimate level. That's the way you can use your body to be the most holy. It's the most, the most holy union, especially between husband and wife, is creates the most holiness in the world, right? The most kedusha. By the way, you see this in the Jewish, in the Jewish laws that where there's most kedusha, there's the most laws around it to protect it, right? So you see that number one. But the other thing is, so, that, so then what creates the most degradation, how, how sad do you feel when you see someone not respecting themselves and acting in a way that's like very beneath their dignity? It's very sad, right? Is it the, the, the same thing, the same, the, you can also degrade being a prostitute or something like that would be the most degrading to a person, right, in the same way. Um, okay, when I, when I was first out of uh, college, my first job was with homeless kids, I was working with homeless kids on the, on the streets. And I, I don't know if I shared the story in another class, but I walked in once and I was there for a number of years and these were kids that were in and out of jail. It was better for them in jail than out of jail. And um, they were abused, obviously. They were sex workers, they were heroin users. They were literally living on the streets. And I was working in a refuge as a counselor. And I walked in one day, they were, t- they were planning a robbery, like in the corner of the rec- of the rec room. And I walked into them planning a robbery. And there was a whole team of them sitting around the couch. And they're like, okay, Bob, you come in here and I'll pick you up here. And then Jason, you come up here at three o'clock and I'll come around here. Like there was a whole thing. And I walked in, I didn't know what to do because I was stuck. And I, I didn't want them to see me because I didn't want them to feel bad in front of me. My whole goal was to like have a positive relationship with them and not be their disciplinarian and build them up you know, as a therapist. So I was gonna try and like, quickly exit out of the building. And as I was like, exiting back out of the building, he saw me through, there was a plant, and he saw me through the plant. He goes, and they didn't know how much I heard. You know? So it was very nervous and very fidgety. And he's like, hey, Jackie, how are you? Like, really like nervous and like, like, trying to suss out if I'd, felt, if I'd seen and heard what he was talking about. And I said, I was like, please give me something intelligent. Like I, I didn't know what to say, you know? And um, I was like, hi. And he's like, hey, and everyone's turning around, like, hey, Jackie, and they're all very nervous. And I said, that's amazing. I, I, you know when you say something that you don't even know what you're about to say yet but you better make something good come out of it. I said, that's unbelievable. And they're all very fidgety now because this is like they're not really sure where I'm coming from at all. And I just, again, I felt like God put words in my mouth. But I said, this is unbelievable. I said, would you look at the communication, the business mindedness that you have, the strategy, the organization, the time management? Would you look at the teamwork that you can imagine if you did this for a company? And they were like, <laughs> like, no one ever saw this before, right, in them. And I said, this is unbelievable. You can choose to use your skills however you want. But I never knew you had these skills. To, that, to, my, to my understanding, they didn't do the robbery that day. I don't know what they did the next day, but they, they cancelled it <laughs> that day. Right? So God made one as well as the other. You get to choose how you want to use it. Right? Very, very powerful lesson that they learned. And it was a, it was a, it was a powerful moment. Okay. Um if we want to go even deeper cabalistically, which we can because we're going to take a few sessions, few, few classes to do this. Um, if this is cabalistically, if this is the truth in the world that everything's one, so then what on earth is the world of disconnection? The truth of the world is everything's one and connected. So, then what is the world of this connection? Yourself, like your own like fear or anxiety. So, but what is that? Because that feels very real to me. I don't know about you, but it feels very real to me. I don't know. A lack of clarity. A lack of clarity. Right. Okay, good. You're getting closer. Yes. If you're choosing to ignore that there is like something that's out of your control. Yes. Yes, good. You're all circling around the answer. La- <laughs> yes, meaning, okay, this is the result, the lack of clarity, the lack of it, right? This is the result of what happens when you step out of alignment with this. Thank you. Go. Again, this, the world of disconnection, is the result when you step out of alignment with this. I, mean, I have no idea what I'm really talking about. This is all very cabalistic. So, so in, a, in a better way to put it, it would mean that as anyone, you know, when you walk into, um, you know the, the whole beautiful poet, poetic phrase, light dispels the darkness? That whole idea, right? So you can walk into a dark room, pitch black, and you light a tiny little match of light, a flame, a flicker of a flame. With that flicker of a flame, it outlines the whole room. The light dispels the darkness in a second. So that light dispels everything. You can see the whole outline of the room because with the light on, the darkness cannot exist. When there's light, the light is much stronger than the darkness. Yes? The light is much stronger. Than, when, when you're aligned with the light, the darkness cannot coexist. But it's not even possible to walk into a bright room with a little piece of darkness. Right? You can't even walk into a bright room. with It doesn't even exist, the concept. Why? Because when the lights are on, the darkness cannot exist. The darkness is only the result when you turn off the light. You hear? it? Is this a bit more clear? So like, it only the darkness can exist. The more, I, the more I'm not connected, so then the darkness can exist inside of me. The darkness being fear and anxiety. And it's the darkness. So what do I do to get rid of it? I can fill it with light. Very deep ideas here. Yeah? I can fill it with light. So how does, this, how, does this, how does this relate to us on a Midos level, on a psychological level? It turns out, interestingly, there's all these different character traits, Midos character traits, that are aligned with the light, with the world of connection, that connect you, that are holy, that are elevated. And when you don't have them built up, so then you end up with the result, which is the lack of light in those Midos, if you want to get spiritual, or at the other end of the spectrum of the Midas, a Midas means a measurement. So let's take an example. Think of someone you admire in life. What's the quality that you admire and look up to in them? Honesty. Honesty, great. So honesty would be a meter that is elevated, full of light. It's it's aligned with truth. It's aligned with being godly. Yeah. Someone you admire has that elevated. Yeah. And someone to the degree that someone is dishonest. Or out of alignment with that honesty to that degree, they'll live in that world of disconnection with their dishonesty. Their dishonesty will lead, lead them into the world of disconnection, right? So another example might be patient. I admire people with patience, probably because they don't have any. But yeah, patient. Someone who's who's very very patient. So again, in psychology, interestingly, it says how do how do you deal with 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 patience? You, what's the opposite? Let's say step back. What's the opposite of patience? impatience or anger, right? So on one end of the spectrum is anger, on the other end of the spectrum is patience. Psychology would say, let's deal with all the anger issues. Now there's a lot of good behavioral, modificational things around beha- anger that are useful to like put it on pause and take a time out and like, there's useful things like that. But that doesn't get rid of the anger. It just modifies it and controls it. Now they're very good, they're very helpful. But it doesn't get rid of it, right? I also noticed the same about anxiety. Oh, do I have anxiety? Yeah, anxiety. Anxiety, you get all sorts of coping mechanisms and things to cope with, with with psychology, it's fantastic, but it never gets rid of the anxiety. So Torah comes along and says, you can't get rid of the anxiety. It's always there in potential. So what do you do? It says instead, leave it alone and just focus on the world of connection. Because the degree that I'm living in the world of connection, the degree that I build my muscle in the world of connection, the degree that I feel connected and feel calm, to that degree, I won't feel anxiety. It's a seesaw that can't coexist. So don't. you can't ever fix the anxiety. You can't fix the anger. It's always there in potential to the degree that you don't have patience. How do I fix the whole thing? I work on building filling myself with the light, which is with patience. So we 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 did a, a musurbadah, Musurbad is like a personal growth group in, in this kind of work. And we worked on patience for about three years every single day. And every single day we had to do what's called a shmirah. A shmira means guard yourself. You had five minutes on the clock every single day where no matter what happened, you weren't allowed to show any sign of irritation or anger or impatience at all outside of yourself for five minutes flat, no matter what happened. Traffic, free people, phones ringing, like doesn't matter. And when I say no anger, I mean not even a, not even a, nothing. So you have to be on guard, why? Because the word for patience, sablanut, literally means just to bear the discomfort of something not going your way. Sablanut literally means to bear suffering, just to tolerate it. That's what sablanut, patience. Patience is only to bear when something doesn't go my way. You don't do what I want you to do, now I'm angry. That's all, that, that's all it is. So patience is the ability just to bear and tolerate that something doesn't go my way, right? So if I can bear something not going my way, I build my muscles in patience, bless you. To the degree that I build my muscles in patience, I won't ever feel anger. Uh, I felt this myself, by the way. I used to, um, I was doing this every day, and I used to go down to the uh, Western Wall and, and, and when I was in Israel, and would pray there. And I would get really irritated by everyone pushing you and shoving you and like, I, I couldn't focus and I was like so rude. And people would just elbow you and move in and then put their hand through you to the wall, have you ever had this? And, then, and, then, and they're like, they're touching you in the middle of your prayer, like what? Like they can't, I'm Australian, we're used to big land and like, you know, out back and I don't know, I just I couldn't handle it. And I used to get really irritated and it would always, it was like, be a dilemma, should I go down to the hotel and pray? So she was busy because I actually can't focus there really at all. And I remember this feeling anyway. After working on this for about two years two years, every single day, there was one time where I was in the middle of a, a Shmanaestray, which is the silent prayer, and I was just so connected into the in the prayer. And I remember thinking, I I, saw, I felt I saw sort of felt my body moving around. I was like, oh that's interesting, people are pushing into me. And I noticed that like I was just observing it and I wasn't reactive at all to it, and I was in the middle of my prayer and it didn't bother me, and I was like, oh my. Like I, At some point, it just, I realized I changed after working every single day on that fo- on that, that, muscle. Oh, people are bumping into me and I just noticed it. It wasn't rather than like, right? <laughs> that, was, that was unbelievable. So it happens very slowly and incrementally just through like pushing some weights by bearing, bearing, so next time you're annoyed in a traffic jam, next time you miss the train or the subway, next time something doesn't go your way, just try and say, I'm not going to show any, any sign of irritation. See if you can do it like as an experiment. Yeah? Try it, try for two minutes. Time it. I'm on the clock. It's, it's a fascinating experiment. Anyway. Okay. Um, so it turns out that there's all these Midos character traits that exist in the world of connection. Again, a Midos and a character trait is psychological. How I act when I'm interpersonally. But it's coming from the root of the spirituality. right? It's coming from the root of feeling connected. Saying so too with the opposite all the character traits we're not so proud of are really the result of me having stepped out of the light in those character traits of the opposite spectrum. So you can even go through and know that what, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses and my weaknesses, how can I build on the on the other side of that spectrum? What can I build up? Choose one and start to work on it. Yeah. Um, the core foundational meter that everyone recommends to work on though is really <coughs> the Muna, the Muna is faith and connection, right? If you don't have a essential sense of faith and connection, so then... Everything else sort of sits on top of that. It's like a foundational character trait. Um, so we worked, we worked on it for five years. Every single day for five years. Certain reading, a certain exercise. Feeling a Hashem's presence, being aware there is a God in the world and He loves you very much and is in your life personally every single day. So building those muscles of being conscious, 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 aware, aware, aware. And laying that as a foundation makes you feel more connected most of the time. Talking to God aloud in a whisper. yeah, Things like that. Um, start moving you into the world of connection just because that's where all of those traits live okay um let me just look at time okay um is this making sense it's a lot of information Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. okay you relate to it Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah um So I guess the next step for you would be to think what ways, and and again, applying this into your own lives, what ways do you naturally connect and disconnect in your own lives? Where do you feel like certain repetitive patterns where you get into that feeling of feeling isolated, lonely, um, where you feel um, disconnected, where you feel um, anger. Anger, for example, it was fascinating. There was a study done where they said anger, road rage dramatically decreased when there was eye contact between the cars. Why? It's fascinating. Because it humanizes the person who's doing it. Because there's connection. Yeah. So what is it? I'm, I'm, What is road rage? I'm in my little bubble, narcissistic bubble of the car. It's just me and my car and the road, and I'm getting to where I wanna go, thank you very much. I'm going from A to B, and how dare you get in my way, right? And then you dare to cut in, bam, right? Oh, so annoying, right, whatever. <laughs> That's that's road rage, and I'm in my bubble, and so I'm all in my. How dare you? Again, it's all about me, right? The world of disconnection is all about me. It's all about what I can get from it, and what it's all about me being self-absorbed and making sure I look after number one, and I'm doing this, and I want it. It's all about my will. And as soon as and you've had this experience, don't don't. I won't believe you if you tell me you haven't. That when you're, you're you're irritated in the car, and you look across and there's a little granny, and she goes thank you, and you're like oh, no problem. Right, like all, right, the little granny, hi, right, it, but there's eye contact, little granny, like you, all of a sudden this connection and you're, what happens to the rage? It disappears in a second, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, right, why? Because you can't, they, they can't coexist. right, you, you, they have to, they have to, it's one or the other at, at the end of the day, so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a fascinating experience to feel this happen inside of yourself. Um... I, I always remember when my father tapped a car by accident with the car in front in Sydney. And this guy gets up and he blows his head off. Like he, he was a real kind of thug guy and guy. And he got up, how dare you, and said all these curse words. And we were like looking at my father like what's going to It was like a, was like a transformation, like transformative moment, you know, like what, what's my father going to do. And he just bowed his head and said, I'm so sorry, sir. You know, like there was just nothing to... When someone's in the world of disconnection, they can pull you into the world of disconnection with them. How dare you? Well, how dare you speak to me that way? Right. You can bounce up against each other's ego. And I remember him just giving... He just gave over He just gave to him whatever he needed. I'm so sorry, sir. Right? And there was nothing to bounce up against anymore for the guy. So he was like... And went back to the car. You know, like there's nothing to do. Yeah, so the world of disconnection is a world of self-absorption. It's like those mirrors when you walk into the amusement parks and everything is reflected back to you with yourself in different sizes. There's people that walk through the world that look at everything in context of what can I get me? Even if they look like they're doing something generous or good or kind or giving, but really the underlying is what can I get for myself? Right? There's nothing wrong with receiving. Obviously, if you have givers, you need receivers. That's different from taking. A receiver is someone who is receiving for the sake of the connection. Yes? Does that make sense? Usually people say to me, what about receivers? If everyone's a giver, how can anyone take anything? So the difference here is between takers and receivers. Receivers is part of the giving and taking flow. And um, a taker is really... There's no one else in the picture, it's just all about me, right? iPhones, iTunes, iMac, it's all about me. And this whole generation is all about I and they're wonderful and we all have them, but like it's not the goal of the world, right? It's not the goal and when The irony of the world of disconnection is when I'm totally, it's an infantile seduction because I think if I'm focused on me, I'm gonna be happy. That's the illusion. But the reality is the more you focus on you, the more by definition you disconnect from everyone else. You, you can't even see other people, so you actually are lonely. That's the Facebook dilemma that we're in now. The Facebook dilemma is I'm on the Facebook all night long feeling like I'm connecting and really I'm alone and I'm feeling lonely. And yet yeah, you go out and people are actually out with people at dinner and with friends and whatever and they're all on their phones. They're actually with a person and they're on their phones still the whole time. It's like unbelievable and they feel lonely and they don't know why. It's unbelievable because there's, there's an illusion of the phone that it's, you think you're connecting, right? I just, I just committed again to putting my phone, sleeping with my phone in the living room again. Oh, yeah, how does that going? in? I did it for a while. I committed to everyone knows it's sold. I committed to it after Yom Kippur. No, I committed after Yom Kippur to not looking at my phone before you pray before i pray that's yeah. going pretty well thank god only mm-hmm. a couple of days i've not like i was half asleep and i was reading <laughs> right yeah but like i'd rather talk to god before my talk to just read all my emails yeah so i have the Tahilim app on my phone though um would that be like a way to disconnect myself i mean is that like a bad thing would you say to have to kill him on your phone no i Tahilim. Like when I pray, it's on my phone. Like when I'm on the subway, let's say. No, you again. Everything can be used for the sake of connection or disconnection. So a phone is good. It's powerful. It's a connector. Mm -hmm. But there's at some point it disconnects you, and you have to know when that point is. If I'm waking up to look at my phone before talking to God, the phone is disconnecting me. Right. Right. Or people say it's my alarm clock. So buy an eight-dollar alarm clock. Right. (laughs) Buy an 8 (laughs) <laughs> so, so like right if, if it's if it, uh, I, I I can uh, I read my Tehillim on it so because I'm reading my Tehillim then I get it into everything else I shouldn't be doing so then I would say I'll buy you a Tehillim book mm-hmm. so you don't have to look. but you know once you're on the phone it's very hard to then not go into another app exactly right so then if that's what's happening it's better to buy a Tehillim book and bring that with you on the subway and not look at the phone right if that's your quiet time or whatever yeah right so um. yeah it's it's it's, um, I just recommitted to putting the phone in my living room again overnight. It's so hard just to like leave it there. It's crazy, it's an addiction, mm-hmm. right? But I noticed it's so interesting, I took my laptop into my bed instead. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed this the other night. I did that once and I was up to like one in the morning watching YouTube videos and I was like, oh my gosh, my Yates of Horror totally got me another way. Like I thought, my phone was sitting charging in the living room and I thought, aren't I great? Because I left my phone like, I felt really good. And then I was realising I'm on my laptop in bed and now I'm watching videos till 2 in the morning, which is what I would have probably done on the phone. It was so sneaky. Your hate of is so sneaky. You have to so know your Yates You have to know your Yates of you Horror. That was a new one for me. Right? So that, that's like being so creative. I thought got to create a Right? Yeah. Not tonight. Ha, ha, ha. Like, okay, you know I do tomorrow what happens. Okay? But, like, you have to know how your Yates works and outsmart it. Outsmart it so that you can keep building yourself rather than destroying yourself. Now I'm exhausted. I went to bed at 2 in the morning last night. It was up longer than I would have been had I had my phone in the bed. It's, seriously, I realized this this morning. It's crazy, crazy. Right? How you can like, it's a, it's a counterbalance. Anyway, all right. Um, I'm just trying to work out how much more to go on with. I think what we're going to do is I'm going to finish here. There are basically three main ways to get into the world of connection. And to the degree that you're connected in these three main areas, to that degree you will live in the Shemachat, the world of connection. (coughs) The three main ways are connection, disconnection to self, connection, disconnection to others, and connection, disconnection to God or something higher. To the degree that I'm connected to myself and others and something higher, to that degree I'll live in the Shemachat. Yeah? Um, so that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. We're going to go into those deep categories deeply, how you connect and disconnect in those areas, those three areas. And um, what I think would be useful for you is to think, start thinking this week about how you connect and how you disconnect. Start to come up with your patterns. I'm happy to like talk to you about it, I bounce it off with you if you notice it. Oh my gosh, I always notice this. Whenever I go to a party, I always start thinking these thoughts and then I always get feeling feel weird and I feel like I'm not into it, I have to get out of there. or um, you know, I don't know. Like, you know, like whatever your thinking is, or when I go for a job interview, I always feel like I'm going to fail, so I don't bother trying so hard, or I sabotage myself before I do it because what's the point, right? That's a more perfectionistic one. Um, or I always think I look terrible. And I pick on all my faults all the time, no matter so no matter what I'm wearing or doing or whatever. I always feel like I'm not good enough. Like there's certain again, you would hear this as negative self-talk is a psycho-babble term for it, but it all comes through the spiritual edzara. Right, the Aids of horror is influencing into you. Why? Because if, if I, one of the best things, Rebecca Zendhala also told me once, if you follow this train of thinking, or she says, if, you, if you're getting on a bus and you're following where the bus takes you, you just have to ask, where does this bus take me? To know, is it going to be building yourself or destroying yourself? That's, if I follow this line of thinking, is it going to lead me to want to change my life, inspire myself, change something, even if it's something you do need to legitimately change? A Yetzirah will still use the truth to beat you into a pulp, right? Your Yetzirah, even though it wants you to change and grow, does not do that. Ever, right? Ever, ever. Your Yetzirah wants you to be your best self. The Yetzirah will never, never do that to you. Never makes you feel this big. What if you don't know? I was going to just ask. You don't know what? If it's going to build you or destroy you because right now it feels anxious, but sometimes good things make you anxious and scared too, like mm-hmm. you just don't know what, like why or what. So, get yourself a mentor outside of yourself, that is, then you can bounce that off, so I'm happy push news about it. Okay. Yeah, if you're aware of, it. So I'm aware of certain symptoms, but I'm not sure what's feeding it and what happens, and yeah. I so can talk that out. Okay. And yeah, usually someone, you just don't have clarity or consciousness around it yet, but you will. So I have a similar question, what if I'm thinking that I'm building, but then like a month later I find out that I'm actually, I was actually, it was destructive. Yeah, that it was very Beautiful, because then you've got your 8 Zahara. Like, you, you now you know how your 8 Zahara works. But how do I know for right now, like, whatever I'm doing, if I'm actually building or if it's I'm going to find out that I'm actually destructive? Like, how, where is that? Awareness? First, of the, one of the main things you can ask yourself is, that, what's my intention? What's my intention for doing it? So your own intention gives a lot, reveals a lot, but you have to be ruthlessly self-honest with yourself. People don't like to be honest with themselves because if they start recognising that they're not so ideal they feel terrible because they beat themselves into a pulp and they make themselves feel terribly guilty and then they don't want to look. So that's the first Yetzahara trick, which especially with women. Yetzahara trick is to make you feel so guilty about being not ideal and not perfect that I don't even want to look at myself. That's the best tactic, by the way, because then you're never growing, right? It's so brilliant. So the Jewish guilt trick, oh my gosh, brilliant. Created by mothers, you know, Jewish mothers, <laughs> right? Like, but, but it's the way your own Yetzahara works. So the one is, what's my intention? So if I do something, I can say to myself honestly, why did I do that? Do I really want to help that person? Or did I want to do them a favor so they think well of me so they can get me into this thing or that thing? Did I, did I do that because I want attention? Did I do that because I want to look good to so, so-and-so? Did I look, do, you have to be honest with yourself. Not to beat yourself up, say, oh, that's interesting. You have to be, there's a whole idea of his, uh, his, 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 his slumdus, right? His slumdus? His Yeah, well, that's the Sparty way of saying it. His slumdus sounds much better. Um, which, is, which is the idea of being curious about your process. Being non-judgmental but curious. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting that I did it for that reason. Meaning everyone's got this stuff running. You don't have to feel bad. Everyone. And if they, if you, if they don't make out they are, they're lying. Right? Everyone has all these things running. I want attention. I want to be liked. I don't want rejection. I want to, I, whatever right? whatever the, the head noise. Everyone has it you know, different, so just be curious about it. That's interesting that that's, that's what was driving you right now. Right? It could be that you, you, know, you only know what you know in the moment. Sometimes you don't have all the information, all the, all the aspects of something. So you can only do what you, you can do. If you find out later it was the wrong decision, but there's no way you could have known about that at the time. So then it's just a learning experience. You didn't do anything wrong. The biggest thing is to learn about what is my intent. Is my intent to be some sort of giver here? Is my intent to be a taker? just for my own self, selfish needs. Now, there's times in life where you have to be a taker, you have to recharge, you have to, you, have to take, you have to receive in life, but only so that you can then be happy and healthy and whole and continue giving in life. Yes? Continue connecting, continue building, continue. An ambulance, when it saves lives, has to stop and refuel. And in those moments it's refueling, it absolutely could not save a life, right? people could die. But the ambulance has to stop and refuel and take, so to speak, so they continue helping and saving lives. So that's the same with us. So you do have to stop and refuel, but the overall perspective of life is, am I here to, be, I'm here to be a giver? That actually ends up being the most connective experience for me anyway that I enjoy and feel the most alive and the most connected and the most wonderful, right? And it is the way to achieve our potential. So with that, we will go into more detail next week. Uh, if, well, it's been touching the week if you want to speak about it. It's a very big concept. It would change your life if you start looking at your, your own life differently like this. Okay? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.